Good morning. We got some gurgling going on over there. Some gurgling. All right. Well, it is always a privilege and an honor to be here this uh, in the morning with you all for Sunday school. Um, I, I get to drive by myself and just kind of listen in the car and pray and listen to music and we're not rushed because you know I get up early and, and get dressed and all that and not worried about the girls and anyway it's very nice I'm sure my wife's listening to this and just cursing me under her breath <clears throat> um, this morning I as I was praying about what what the Lord wanted me to speak on um, I, I actually had two things that that were laid on my heart and I and I chose this one um, because I know that that the Lord is doing something unique in in this day and age. Um, it's it's interesting to look out there in the world and see. It, I I don't know if you've heard this. I, I read this the other day that church attendance is is on the biggest decline that it's ever been, um, and people are are rushing away from the established concept of church and religion, and and I think it's it's indicative of the obviously the end times but indicative of what the Lord is, is attempting to do with his saints with his sons and daughters um, and it's it, it opens it should open our eyes to see that that the Lord needs us now that, that the Lord wants to use us in a very special and unique way and, and as we we think through all the things that are going to be happening in, in these next months years whatever you want to call it as as the end times come into fruition you know we just have to be ready for for me as i was again studying this this story just kept coming to mind what is it that the lord um is doing in our lives and i i love to as you know and when i come in here i love to look at the scriptures and see how it was treated by the the different authors in the bible the synoptic gospels so today we're going to read the story of um, Jesus walking on water. And, and it's found in three accounts, Matthew, Mark, and John. It is not found in the book of Luke. And, and we're going to read all three of them. And we're going to talk about them a little bit. Um, and then we're going to see kind of what, what the whole story is saying to us uh, as a body. So we start here with, well, before we start here with Mark, I, I, I think it's interesting that Luke does not have a story. We, we, fi we find a lot of times that it's John who doesn't have the shared story across the, uh, the synoptics. Um, John tended to be way more spiritual than his brethren, than the other disciples. You see his stories, and he, he likes to wax eloquent about um, the, the spirit and darkness and light and how Jesus came to bring that light. He, he is the one who laid his head on the... On the breast of Jesus, uh, brother wrote a book about John, and and all of the things that that John believed and knew, and and how he structured himself in the discipleship with Jesus. It's interesting to me uh, that John has this narrative because he he normally stays away from this kind of stuff. So we're going to read his uh, first. I, I know I put it at the at the end, but we're going to read his first actually. Um, because, I, again, it's fascinating that these two guys, so Matthew and Mark, they tend to be around the same. Mark, as everybody knows, not a disciple. Everybody knows that, right? Mark was not a disciple. He followed the disciples around, but he was way too young to actually be a part of everything that Jesus was doing. He wasn't called by Jesus at any point in time. So when we see Mark have these stories, we have to recognize he wasn't there. A lot of times he's getting this account secondhand, and many times he is there, but he's watching from the side. So he's not in the midst of everything that's going on. So here we have Mark. We have Matthew. And we're going to read John first. So John chapter 6, verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. The sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. 
So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. So, story as we know it, there's something missing. We all feel it. Uh, that, that missing thing is the Peter portion of it, which we read in Matthew and Matthew alone. But as we look at John, I highlighted a couple of things for you, so you'll see them there in bold. As we look at the book of John, uh, or the story that John gives us, we, we notice a couple of things. Number one, when Jesus therefore perceived. This, this is interesting to me um, because many times in the book of John, we see Jesus's thoughts. We hear what Jesus is thinking. Because John, again, very spiritual, is looking at the outside of what Jesus is trying to accomplish and, and even himself perceiving the spirituality of what Jesus is trying to exemplify. So, so here is the only time that we see Jesus, excuse me, thinking about him being taken to be king in, in this situation. So we see it, right? Jesus therefore perceived, take him by force to make him king. What would cause the people to make him king? Well, we skip to the bottom, so my fault. But at the, in the beginning, in Mark, and I have it on there for you to read, in Mark, we see what happened right before this story. And, and what happened was, Jesus and his disciples were out teaching, and a, we, they, there's this huge multitude of people that have come, and they are, at, at, at the very late of the day, hungry. So all the people are there, it's the multitude, it's the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus says to his disciples, hey, we, we gotta feed these people. They say, we don't have enough money, there's no way we could get enough food, right? This, there's, this is just not gonna happen, Jesus. So Jesus gets them together, and he says, what do we have? They get the five loaves, I'm sorry, the five fish, the two loaves, um, or is it the two loaves of the five fish? And, you know, I don't know. Thank you. So, so they get their, the food, they start passing it out, and, and a miracle occurs, right? Beautiful miracle. I love this miracle. One of my favorite miracles because what we don't see is Jesus reaching into the basket and then handing out food. We don't see that, okay? Jesus doesn't hand out the food. He, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he hands it to who? The disciples, right? He hands it to the disciples, and the disciples get the food, and, and so now they've got this, this bread and this fish in their hands. And as they break it and hand it to somebody, the miracle occurs, right? They break it. All of a sudden now they still have just enough bread to give it to somebody else. So they break it, hand it over, bread, bread, bread. So Jesus begins this miracle of the disciples being used in order to create another miracle. And that's them handing out the food. And, and I think that's just beautiful. So as they start doing this, they're, they're handing out bread, they're handing out fish, and, and they see the 5,000 being fed at this time. That is when, and again, I have there, there in Mark so you can see it a little bit of it. That is when Jesus perceives that they're going to take him and make him king. Why? Because they have been fed. They, that someone finally gave them sustenance. And, and they're not seeing this from a spiritual perspective. They're not going to make him king because Jesus is so high and mighty and spiritual and powerful and wonderful. And yes, he must be God. They, the people see this and they say, he can feed us. He will take care of us. And he perceives in his heart that if they take him and try to make him king, there's going to be this huge problem. There's, there will be an uprising. And it's not something... That Jesus it wants. Think about that. Jesus is already king. Wouldn't we say? Jesus is king. He is the Lord of Lords. He has already established that in his own right, in his own spirit. He knows he's the Son of God. He's doing all these things in order to exemplify God. So he knows he is king. What he doesn't want is the kingdoms of men. He wants the men's hearts for the kingdom of heaven. And that's the main difference. So making him king here would have been a, a, the most horrible thing that could have happened. 
because what it really would have done is divided the earth. It would have divided all the kingdoms, and there would have been this huge battle. That's not what he was looking for. What he wanted was men's hearts. And, and he even says to Matthew, right, very beginning of all this, I'm going to make you fisher of men. You're going to catch them. You're going to bring them into the kingdom. So he perceives that they're going to make me king. So he departs into a mountain himself alone. Now, he's gone for such a long time. Sun's coming down. He leaves. The disciples go out into sea. Why did the disciples go out into the sea? Probably to go fishing. Probably to continue their craft and get some food. Um, they were thinking about going on to the other side. Jesus says, look, I'll, I'll meet you there. I'll get there on my own. So they're not worried about Jesus. That Jesus does this all the time. He, he kind of gets up, he leaves, he's off by himself, and then they find him again, and off, they're off doing their own thing. But they enter the ship, they go over to the sea towards Capernaum, and, and John loves to have this type of imagery. And it was now dark, beautiful, very poetic. We don't, we don't tend to read that in the stories because we don't think about John and the imagery. Now you do, because you do it all this time. But we don't think about the imagery that John is truly John is truly trying to exemplify throughout his narrative. Think about um, John one one, right? Um, the, he, that he is the light, the light of men. But here he's saying it's dark. Why is it dark? Well, it's nighttime. Of course it's dark. So we know it's dark. And Jesus, but he says it was dark, and Jesus was not come to them. So what he's implying here is that it's dark because there's no Jesus. The lack of Jesus has created this darkness. The sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So they're on the boat, the wind is blowing, all of a sudden the, the sea is, is really rough and, and they're starting to get really scared. They had rowed pretty far out into the sea and all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing close to the ship and they were afraid. Their fear was it because they saw something coming towards them or was it that they were afraid because they think they're going to die? We don't know. Could be either one. That We see that type of narrative in, in two of these stories here. Um, so they're afraid and they said unto him, but he says unto them, it is I, be not afraid. I, and I highlighted that one and we see it somewhere else, but I highlighted that one again in John because John loves to say that kind of thing. I am that I am. Right? He brings that up a lot in his stories, that Jesus is the I am. He says, it is I, be not afraid, and then they willingly received him under the ship. This story is short. It's a quick, quick narrative of what happened. I, I bring it up, though, because John tends to not write these. He tends to not bring them up. I think it's very important, as we start looking at the other ones, to recognize that John did bring it up. He wrote it in his gospel in order to exemplify that Jesus, number one, did not want to become king. He, he was not here in order to um, bring dominion on the earth in the way that they wanted to bring dominion on the earth. He was not here to uh, destroy kingdoms and, and rise up in his own and create his own kingdom. I, I like this story, uh, or I, I liken this story to... Um, to what is happening in the spirit. And that's why John puts it in here. When we see that Jesus is trying to establish a spiritual kingdom, that he's trying to bring light into the darkness, and that he is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the I am that is here to bring that calm that the people need. So that is John's account of Jesus walking on water. And when we look at the other ones, we see a little bit more meat in there. A little bit, not less spirituality, but a little bit more of the physicality and what's going on in the natural. So Mark chapter 6, verse 43. And again, I added this part in there because I wanted you to know what happened before the walking on water. They took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway... He constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. When he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And When evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, 
and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he came unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. That same sentence there. And he went up into them unto, unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. That's interesting. Their heart was hardened. They considered not the miracle of the loaves. Let's start from the beginning, though. So we see the, we see the narrative of the, the baskets, right? We see the narrative of the feeding of the 5,000. And straightway the disciples uh, go on to the ship. He constrained his disciples. Hey, go for it, guys. Get out of here. I'm going to go pray. And go to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the people away. So he's going to go send the people away. He's going to go on to his, up to his mountain to pray. He says, you guys go on ahead. I'll meet you there. When he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain. When evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on land. How far away was Jesus from them in the middle of the sea? If, if you consider uh, White Rock Lake, right? We all know White Rock Lake, right here. If we consider White Rock Lake and, and a boat being in the middle of White Rock Lake and you on land, how easy at night, how easy would it have been for you to see a boat toiling in the wind as, as big as it might have been um, from that far away? Almost impossible if you think about it. Obviously, we're talking about Jesus here. So we're talking about um, spiritual discernment, number one. We're talking about supernatural eyesight, potentially. We're talking about someone who knows the hearts and the thoughts of men, but, but is seeing them both in the natural and in the spirit. And when he saw this, when he saw the wind being contrary, when he saw them toiling about, he goes to exemplify why he's here on the earth, and it's to save men, right? So he goes to uh, the water and begins to walk on it. He doesn't swim out, begins to walk on it. Beautiful miracle, him walking on water, um, tried it, put your foot in the pool, you know, you slide right in. Doesn't, doesn't work for me. But he goes off, walks on the water, and would have passed by them, but then they saw him. So he's walking, and, and I think I, put, I highlighted that because I think that's interesting. What was Jesus thinking as he's walking here? He, he obviously can see them. We know that. They are uh, rolling about in the sea. The wind is blowing. They're, they're, they're probably getting wet. They're holding on to the ropes and the gearing and the rigging, trying to fix whatever is happening. Uh, obviously, their sail is down. They're, if they had a sail, their sail is down. They're, they've got the, the oars. They're rowing as hard as they can against the wind, trying to get to the other side. The, the boat is being buffeted by the, the sea, by the waves, by the wind. And, and as they're just rocking about, they see something. And, and, and that's something obviously Jesus so they're going off and and Jesus is walking and the Bible says that he would have passed by them he would have just kept going but they start screaming they're they're yelling hey what is that what is that and and at this point in time I think their fear is just at the highest that it can ever be they feel like they're gonna die and now there's something out there in the sea and this thing's gonna it's gonna kill them it's gonna consume them. they don't know so they're they're yelling he would have walked by them but then they saw they finally saw him walking on the sea they they think it's a spirit it's a ghost it's some sort of evil thing that's going to consume us and they cried they saw it they were troubled they all saw it the bible says in, in other words they're over here on this side of the boat someone's over there and they say there's something in the water and they all rush over to that side of the boat and they say yep absolutely there's something in the water and and we're all going to die and immediately he talked with them Immediately he talked with them. It is loud. The wind is blowing. The waves are crashing. And Jesus talks to them. So again, supernatural voice. Him yelling out, hey guys, it's me. It's fine. How far away from the boat was Jesus? I would imagine that, that even standing on the waves, right? The boat is, is 
partially in the water that, that there's, it's probably still some height for you to get into the boat. It's not something where you're just kind of stepping over like in a bathtub, right? There's, there's probably something um, significant for you to overcome when you're getting inside this boat. So Jesus is probably pretty far off, pretty far off from these guys in order to be, for them to be able to see him and for them to be able to hear him as he's saying, guys, it's me. Be of good cheer. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship. So I imagine Jesus grabbing on, climbing on into this thing. Whether he's wet or not, we don't know. I doubt it. If he could walk on water, I'm sure he could keep his clothes dry. So now he is in the boat. He's in the boat. He's with these people. And immediately the wind ceased. Which, which leads me to believe that the wind was a product of their fear and Jesus attempting to show them something. And what is that something? That, that without me, you can't do anything? Was it that without Jesus, you know, life is going to get hard, so you need Jesus with you all the time? I, I think it, was, it goes beyond that into, look, when, when you are troubled, I'll be there. I think that's, that's a good way to say that. But I think also when we look at what Jesus is trying to accomplish here and, and him having them recognize that this power is within them as well and they don't recognize it. And I think that's why these next two sentences are so important. Went up to the ship, the wind ceased, they were sore amazing themselves beyond measure and wondered. They considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. Why, why would your heart be hardened after seeing Jesus create these 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 fish and these loaves out of thin air i i don't i don't understand that um you you see the miracles of jesus and and to me they're so overt right they they happen and and it's not like when when miracles happen to me um i i think about times when i know i i have received a miracle no beyond a shadow of doubt hey, man that was that was a miracle but, but it wasn't until after that I felt that, that it was a miracle. It wasn't during, uh, definitely not before, hey, a miracle's about to happen. It wasn't until after where I felt, wow, I get it now. That was a miracle. When I think about um, the, the job that I got for, at, at Omnitrax and, and the way things worked out, I think, wow, God had his hand on that. When I think about um, certain things that have happened in my life, and, and looking back, I say, wow, this hadn't happened and this hadn't happened couldn't have happened. That's, that's a miracle for God to put all these things in place. I went out yesterday, not a miracle, but I went out yesterday and um, Kelly had taken the girls to to dance. They were, then they were going to go see Grandma, Papa, KK, and so they were they were gone for the better half of the morning and it was glorious. They were gone. I, I was able to fix some stuff at the house. Um, I, I did a, a little bit of laundry and I, I was at the place where I was just so productive and it felt so good. So I'm, I'm there, and, and there's a light out in the ceiling in our garage, but it's not the bulb. I've replaced the bulb. It has to be the inner workings of electricity inside there. I'm not an electrician, but I, I think I'm smart enough to figure things out. So I go up there, and I, I remove the, the place where you put in the bulb, the plate, and sure enough, something's burned out in there. There's no connection being made, and so I think i, I got to replace this thing. Um, my dad and I used to go out, and, and he would do all these. He's not an electrician, but he, I don't know if he'd learned something or did something, but he would do some electrical stuff, so I knew enough to you know, turn off the power, make sure the light is off, all these little tiny things that you have to do. So I, I, I pull it out and say, okay, yeah, this is broken. I've got to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and replace it. So I go to Lowe's, buy the part, and, and while I'm there, uh, I think I'm gonna go get a Slurpee. So I go get a Slurpee, I get a hot dog, and while I'm there, I see this guy, and he's selling uh, kettle corn. Kelly loves kettle corn, so I think I'm going to buy some kettle corn for Kelly. And so I, I, all these things, I'm telling you the story because of this. All these things just felt like they were just falling into place. I felt good yesterday. I felt productive. I felt like I was getting things accomplished. And it, and it wasn't until towards the middle of the day that I thought, wow, what a great day I was having. <coughs> but in the middle of all those things, I, I didn't necessarily feel the same way because I was in the midst of it. You know what I mean? I, I was there 
experiencing those steps and it wasn't until I said, wow, look, look how it just all worked out. You know, the kids are gone. I'm able to figure this out without having to get into the, to the attic and, and pull things apart. And I'm not ele electrocuting myself. Uh, I, I, I didn't fall down from a, a ladder. You know how great I am with ladders. I didn't fall down from this ladder and, and hurt my head. You know, I, I was able to get a, a little nice surprise for Kelly. All these things just kind of fell into place and it, it felt good. To me, that's my experience with miracles, is when I look back and say, look at all that God has done, I recognize the miracle. For, for these guys, as Jesus is going through it, it's, to me it's a little bit different. So, but, but I wonder, I wonder as they're writing these stories, if they don't feel the same way. That, that they, don't, they just don't see it. They don't see the forest because of the trees. They, they don't see that, that God is doing all of these things right here, right now, but you really have to open your eyes to what he's doing. If, if they're in there, they've got the basket, and they're pulling out bread, and they're handing it to people, and it just keeps coming, and it just keeps coming. And I, I thought I was running out, but there's more bread in here. There's more fish. In fact, now that everybody's done eating, we're going to pick up the scraps, and how are there so many scraps? There's thousands of people here. We've been handing out bread all day long and fish, and there's still more. In fact, there's 12 baskets fulls of bread and fish. That's a miracle. That's amazing. I was there when, when Jesus said, what are we going to feed them? And I said, I don't know. We've got some fish and, and a couple of loaves, but what are they among so many? Isn't that exactly what the Bible says? What are they among so many? But, but all of a sudden, at, at the end of the story, I look at it and I say, there's 12 baskets worth of fish and bread in here. That, that's a miracle. And yet, and yet, verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. What could have hardened their heart? What was it? Well, we see it. The waves. The boat. That's what hardened their heart. And, and I think back to a couple of Sundays ago when I was weeping and gnashing on, on stage in front of you, crying, and, and how I felt as a leader, saying, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at this place of, of, of the valley, um, and I feel despair, and, and I feel uh, loneliness, and I feel like, like, like the world is crashing down on me, and, and the Lord had to, to lift me up out of that. And, and that Sunday, the Lord was lifting me out of that. And, and I'm not saying that it's over and that I won't continue to receive that type of feeling. But, but I, was, I wanted to be raw in front of you to know that, that even as a leader in this church, obviously we all go through things. All of us go through things. But, but the Lord is there for us. I was, I was in the boat at the time. If you think about it this way, I was in this boat at that time thinking, Lord, I've seen the miracles. I know what you've done in my life. But there's a boat that I'm in right now, and it feels like I'm going to die. This, this, this wind should not be happening like this. It was a beautiful day. Why is this wind crashing down upon us? Why is it so loud out here? All of, I see a ghost. There's a ghost out there, and it's going to kill us. Right? That's, that's what these guys are thinking. So, so it's not that they were... Um, Doubting Jesus is not that they doubted God. It's not that they uh, were hardened against all the miracles that he had done. Although I think that's part of it. We'll talk about that in a second. It, it was really that they, are, they were experiencing something coming right out of a miracle and, and probably recognizing or feeling like the enemy was going to kill them right then and there for being part of, of what Jesus was doing. And, and in the moment, as they are attempting to save their own lives... Because think about it, that's what they were doing. They're grabbing onto the rigging. The, they're, they're taking these oars and they're trying to row out of here. What are they doing? They're, they're preparing themselves to save themselves. And it's at that point that Jesus arrives and guys, guys, don't be afraid. I'm here. It's me. I'm here. And, and that's what calmed them down. And that is why they were so amazed beyond measure were astonished that at the right time Jesus would come 
swoop in and would save them. Their heart was hardened. I want to explore this before we continue. Okay, good. Their heart was hardened. How many miracles does it take before you start to, um, to believe that they're just going to happen all the time? Or, or maybe said differently, how many miracles have to happen before you feel like they're commonplace? That maybe they're no longer miracles, they're just things that happen. In other words, as, as they're going through life and they see Jesus doing this and doing this and doing this, and, and then being either a part of it or not a part of it, but, but they are seeing this landscape of who Jesus is, how he works, all of a sudden, it's just what we do. As disciples, we walk with Jesus, and Jesus every once in a while goes, "Hey, you're healed." Boom, this guy gets up. Boom, you're healed. This guy gets up. And and I think about um, our church, and and the amazing things that have happened in our body, um, the miracles, the revelation, the the usage by God of us, it going out into the world and, and how he has established this, this network of saints and, and people that want more of him and, and how easily it can become commonplace. How easy we can start looking at this and think, um, okay, it's just another thing. I think about our, our seminars, for example. When we did our first seminar, how exciting it was how wonderful it was, how we have people coming. And then the second seminar, we have even more people coming. And then the third seminar, wow, there's even more than there was the first two combined. And then the fourth, and then the fifth, and then the sixth. And then by the, what are we now on, the 82nd or something like that? By, by the time we are here, we look at it. And, and I almost feel like I, at one point I got to a place where I was like more excited for the seminar to be done than for the seminar to begin. You know what I mean? It hadn't even started yet, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the Sunday after the seminar because of all the work that we've had to do. We, we started to invent things in this place that have never been invented before. Obviously, the world, they're there, but in this church, it wasn't. We, we did the, the CDs. We had DVDs. We did all these exciting things for this seminar to, to give to the people. We had books. We printed our own books, which is amazing. And all of a sudden, now we're printing them through a publisher, and we're getting them here. We're selling them. We're selling out of these things. We've got CDs, CDs of music that, that someone sifts through and listens to and, and repackages, and then we've got to do graphics for it. And all these things that we do and that are now, hear me out, commonplace. Not that they're, not e not that they're easy, but they're commonplace. And, and at one point, I recognized uh, a couple seminars ago that I had become desensitized to the seminar. It, it was no longer exciting to me. It was no longer um, spiritually relevant in a way. And, and I recognized, and I had to get out of that method in, in my mind as quickly as possible. I had to get to a place where, no, 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 this can't be commonplace because if you make it commonplace, you're the one that's going to be um, hurt by it. It will be detrimental to you, to me. We, we have to understand that every encounter with God requires our attention. It requires for us to be invested into what's going on. It requires for us to open our eyes and say, God, open them wide and say, God, what are you going to do now? I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm looking. I'm looking with bated breath just to see what you're going to do. It's so easy, and I think this is what happens to a lot of churches. It's, it's so easy for uh, God to move and to move and to move and all of a sudden he's not moving anymore because the people aren't moving anymore. I, I, I think about what happened to places like Brownsville and, and just the, the, the massive increase and then the, the quick decline of, of those services because of everything that all of a sudden became commonplace. So when I read this passage, they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. This is what I imagine. This is how I, I interpret this portion of scripture. And we have to be very careful that, that having come out of a miracle as amazing as that, that we don't allow our hearts to be hardened in that way. Let's read the last one, Matthew chapter 14. 
Verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So we've established that he definitely said, It is I, be not afraid. They all three have it. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto the water, unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, you are the Son of God. What do we not see in this passage? We don't see the hardening of the heart. We don't see... Um, the what else do we not see? Let's look. Well, number one, we don't see the hardening of the heart, which which I find interesting. Again, I say, Mark wasn't there. Mark is looking at this probably second or third hand, maybe even fourth for all we know. But Mark was not there, um, so he's looking at this story. And he's hearing the tale of what happened. Why didn't he, Mark, say anything about Peter and him walking? Number one, it could be that because he wasn't there, he didn't find it relevant. Look, I wasn't there. I don't know how it happened or what happened, so I'm, I'm just not going to tell that part of the story. The other thing could be that they didn't tell Mark. Nobody told anybody else of what was, hey, guys, let's keep this to ourselves, right? This is, this is a really crazy time. I, let's, just, let's just not talk about this, right? It could be that uh, one of those two things where Mark just didn't know, and so he didn't write it in there. John was there but didn't say it. But again, this was not part of the whole Jesus is spiritual. When, when we look at the book of John, John is talking about Jesus. He's not talking about anybody else. He's not worried about anybody else. He wants you, the reader of the book of John, to understand Jesus. Not to understand Peter. Not to understand Matthew. To understand Jesus and what he's doing. And, and I believe that John didn't feel that it was relevant to this story for Peter to be a part of. So really, the only time that we see Peter being a part of the Jesus walking on water is in the book of Matthew. Obviously, we trust Matthew. Matthew was a disciple. Matthew was there. So Matthew is writing, and he says pretty much the same stuff. Jesus told his disciples to leave, and he's going to send the multitudes away. He sends the multitudes away, and he goes to a mountain apart to pray. And when it was dark, he was there alone. He was praying but the ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind is contrary. The fourth watch of the night, so very late into the night, Jesus goes unto them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him, they were troubled. It's a ghost. It's going to kill us. We're very afraid because the wind is buffeting our boat, and we're all going to die. So, so they are crying out in fear. They're, they're worried they're going to die. Jesus straightway spoke unto them, said, unto them and said, Be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. And this is where the story uh, diverges. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come out and walk on the water with you. And he said, Then come. And Peter does it. He gets off the boat. Love this part. He gets off the boat puts his foot on the water for the first time, right? And it's solid. And he starts to walk on the water tentatively towards Jesus. I mean, I say tentatively because that's how I would be, right? I don't think Peter jumped down, felt solidity, and then started running. No, maybe, I don't know. But I, I, I imagine if it were me, I would be off the boat, first foot, good to go. I'm planted. I'm ready. I'm, I'm on solid ground here. Next foot, boom. At this point in time, however, what has happened? Okay? Got my hand on, my, on the boat. Got my two feet on the water. And at one point in time, you've got to let go of the boat. 
you have to continue on into the sea. So, so Peter does that. He gets his first foot in, kind of like the hokey pokey. He's got that first foot in. He's going to get that second foot in and shake it all about. But he still has his hand here. It's when he lets go that all of a sudden everything is on Peter. Everything now relies on Peter and his faith. That's the crazy part about all this. When he had his hand on the boat, he could have sunk and held on to the boat, and he would have been just fine, right? I, I remember uh, a couple days ago, well, about a week, the girls had a, a birthday party for one of their friends, and they went skating. I hate skating. hate skating. I'm sorry. just don't like skating. And so the girls are going to go to the skating rink. And they have done this before, where Kelly took them to the skating rink. And they did not well at all. In fact, it was such a nightmare that when they came home, there was weeping, there was yelling, there was gnashing of teeth. And, and Kelly uttered the words, we are never going to do this again. They obviously did not do, my, my daughters don't do well with change. They get that from their mother. They don't do well with change. So, so as they're learning, the, the thing I, I've recognized about both my daughters is that it takes time for them to feel confident, as anybody, right? But, but the difference is, for, for many people, for them, uh, especially Megan, when she doesn't feel confident, she lashes out at you. And, and she, will, she will yell at you, and, and she might even try to hurt you, like to, to, to hurt you with her hands. And, and when we try to teach her something, she wants to be alone. She wants to do it on her own, but she doesn't want to be alone. She wants you to be there with her. So it's this struggle of, well, do you want me there or not? And, and as a parent, you want to help her, but you also want to feel like you're doing something you know, to help as opposed to just standing, okay, let me, let me hold. No, don't hold on the bike. Okay, I won't. Hold on to the bike. Okay, okay, I'll hold on the bike. You know, it's that kind of thing. So with Megan, we were, we were skating. And, and I took her on the skate to the, uh, on the floor, and I told the people, look, I'm not going to wear skates. I'm going to walk on this floor and just be with her. And they were like, it's okay. So I, I walked with her on the side of the skating ring, and, and I held on to her. She didn't want me holding on to her because it was embarrassing, right? All her friends are, you know, just, they're rolling around. They're skating. They're going really fast. And here's daddy and daughter skating around. So she was like, don't hold on to me. But as soon as I let go, you know, she's, she's unbalanced. She starts, she says, Daddy, you let go of me. And I'm like, you told me to. So I'm, I, I hold on to her, and I, and I put it in my mind. She's a child. I have to be super patient. I have to recognize that this is not about me. This is completely about her. I, I put all my feelings aside, threw them out the window, and said, all right, whatever she wants, whatever she wants, she gets. So I'm, I'm holding on to her. And, and she says, okay, okay, I, I've got, so I, I'm telling her, here's what you need to do. Don't tell me what to do. So I said, it's okay, I, here's what you do. And I told her to put her foot like this and this, all this stuff. So we're, I'm training her to skate. And as she's skating, she starts to get better, right? She gets to the point where uh, after about an hour, she's finally able to hold on to the side of the, the skating rink and, and skate on her own. And she did great. I even took a video of, of, of it, it was beautiful. but. So she's skating, and, and she's going around the, the skating ring, and, and I recognize this. It wasn't until the very end, the very end of our experience, that she finally let go of the railing and was in the middle of the skating ring trying to skate. She had finally learned her balance. She had finally learned how to um, move her feet the appropriate way. People think when you first start skating that you're walking with skates. You should recognize this. People think that you walk with skates and you don't. That's not how you skate. You push off and the rollers are what's letting you skate. And then there's this rhythm of, okay, one roller, next roller, next roller. But you don't think that way because you're not watching people's feet. You're just watching how they move. But finally, Megan got it. And I finally saw her let go of that railing. And, and the good thing about it is that whenever you are on the railing, if you don't let go, you rely on the railing. You get to the place where the railing is your safety net, and you're never gonna learn how to be on your own, you're never gonna learn how to fall. 
she would hold on to the railing and slip. And at one point, she held on so hard that she's got this bruise now right here under her arm because she landed on it. Peter was the same way. Peter recognized, I've got to let go of this boat. If I don't let go of this boat, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to be by the boat. So Peter lets go of the boat, and he begins walking. When you're off the boat, step one, step two, hand on the railing, right? You're looking at Jesus at this point in time. I'd be looking at Jesus because I know where I'm going. Jesus, I'm going straight to Jesus. Yeah. So I'm, but I'm holding on. As soon as I let go, what's going to happen? No safety net. No safety net whatsoever except for what I think would be Jesus. But look how far Jesus is. I've got to go so far to get to Jesus. This is going to take time. So you start walking. What are you naturally going to do? You're going to look down, aren't you? I mean, I would. I'd start looking down like, okay, I'm, I'm on solid ground, but there's water in front of me. I want to not step on the water. Wait a minute. You're walking on water. So everything is water. So you're looking, and, and now you're trying to balance, and your mind immediately thinks, this foot is solid. This foot is up. Where do I put this foot? I mean, it's not like I'm walking on shells. It's not like fish are coming up to receive my foot. It's all water. So immediately, immediately Peter begins to doubt. Why? Well, we've been conditioned to think to believe that you cannot walk on water. Be, we have been conditioned to think that way. Why? Because water's not solid. So he's walking on this thing. He was looking at Jesus. He's no longer looking at Jesus. Now he's looking at his feet, and he begins to think, this is not right. This is not natural. This should not be happening in any way, shape, or form. So wait a minute. What am I even doing here? Is, is this even allowed? This, this is not right. And he begins to doubt. And he begins to sink, and he begins to cry out. And he says, Jesus, save me. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O you of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, you are the Son of God. beautiful story of faith, doubt, of understanding what Jesus is trying to do in our hearts. And, and when I look at this story, and, and I, when I see where we are as a nation, as a people, as, as, a, as a body of Christ, I, I think there's so much going on right now where we have to trust the Lord more so, I believe, than ever before. When, when we had the, the faith movements, there was a package of people that were together saying the Lord is doing something new, right? And, and then you had, them, you had them crying out and wanting more of God, and that brought people into the body. You begin to see the, the faith movement. You begin to see the, the holy rollers. You see the, the people crying out in tongues and the tongues movement going up, uh, the righteousness the, the revivals, you see all these things that have happened throughout history, throughout time in our, in our nation, in our world, and, and how God was establishing our, our faith in him, in his process, in, in his ability to touch us. People were excited. They, they were moving towards something new and spiritual. And, and all of a sudden, we get to this place where, where people begin to believe that the Lord is no longer here or, or never was to begin with. And, and this decline of church attendance and this, this rising up of um, the, the secular, the movement of self, the movement of um, it's all about my truth and what I want to do and what I believe. It, it's this, this ebb and flow. And, and God wants us, much like this story, God wants us to know that, look, you're, you might be on a boat out there on your own, flailing about, hoping that you're not going to die. But I'm here. I'm close. 
All you have to do is reach out and know that I'm with you. I, I think it's beautiful that we've got two, three different perspectives of the story. One very spiritual, it's dark and there's light coming. Uh, there, it's not about kingdom here, it's about kingdom there. It's, it's about um, Jesus being part of the narrative of you reaching out in faith and stepping forth and keeping your eyes on, on the prize and, and understanding what God is doing in our hearts. Not to be hardened, not to say, look, yeah, all that's happening and I'm part of it and, and it's, just, it's just, it's commonplace now. It, it just happens, it just happens. Don't let it just happen. Open your eyes. See what God is doing. The small things. I, I've applied for um, several jobs now. And I, I get teased with uh, recruiters calling me and say, hey, you look great for this position. Can we talk? And so I'll get on the phone. I'll talk to them and say, wow, okay, great answers. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll be in touch. And then the next thing I do is get a rejection email, right? Not good enough or, or whatever it is. And, and I think, so, Lord, what are you doing at this time? Is it, is it that you do want me to leave where I am now? Is it that you want me to stay and you're just showing me, look, I'm closing these doors because you don't need to leave right now? I, I don't know. And, and it's not until maybe a year from now that I will see God's hand and why did it take so long, Lord? Why not this place? Why this place? I, I look forward to the testimony now. I look forward to saying this is what God did because I opened my eyes, I opened my ears to the secrets that he had for me as opposed to, and this is where I was a, a few weeks ago, as opposed to, Lord, why not now? Where are you? Where have you been? What, where, what are you going to do the things that I've wanted you to do? That's where I was. But now, I thank the Lord, I'm in a place where I can say, the miracle's coming. The miracle is coming. I just have to open my eyes and wait. I just have to see him on the water. And then I just have to step out in faith and say, yeah, I'm, I'm here. And I've got to not look down. I've got to not worry about what's natural, what's, what's commonplace, what, what, what I've been taught to believe. I've got to look at him and say, what's new, Lord? Where are you going? And when, when can I go with you? And that's, that's what I felt I was supposed to prepare for this morning, even though I had a, a whole other sermon in here as well. But I, I truly believe God is moving here in this place. Are we ready? Are you ready? Are, are we opening our hearts and our eyes to see what the Lord is doing? So, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with these lovely people, Lord. We, I pray that you bless those that are listening to this message. Help them to see you moving in their lives, Lord. Those here in this room and those out there in Radio Land, we thank you that you are moving. Lord, we are prepared to move with you. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Any questions?